Welcome to Ask the Horse Live. I'm your host, Michelle Anderson, Digital Managing Editor of TheHorse.com. Tonight, we're discussing rehabbing and reconditioning the equine athlete. This event is brought to you free by our sponsor, Equine Performax, located at the Jekyll Center in Thompson Station, Tennessee. So your horse is going great and is in peak condition. You're ready for show season or a summer of recreational riding, and then all of a sudden, they take a bad step and they're lame. It's a suspensory injury, it's a deep digital tear, or maybe the horse had a traumatic wound that's laying it up. It really could be one of the many endless things our horses tend to do to hurt themselves. But what can you do once he's healed or to help him heal to get him back under saddle as soon as possible? That's what our experts are here to talk to us about tonight. Uh, we're joined tonight by Dr. Sarah Lejeune of the University of California, Davis, where she is head of the Veterinary School's Integrative Sports Medicine Program. Dr. Mark Wooten is Director of Veterinary and Rehabilitation Services at the Jekyll Center, where he helps keep helps horses recover from injury. So first I want to welcome Dr. Lejeune. Dr. Lejeune, welcome. Hi. So can you start out by telling us a little bit about your interest and experience in rehabbing the athletic horse? Well, first of all, I myself am a horse owner and rider, so I've experienced this firsthand and realized how frustrating this can be, um, which is why I followed my passion and became a veterinarian, first a surgeon, and then uh, wanted to specialize more in sports medicine and rehabilitation. So now I've been focusing more on that. and. Um, and excited to take on these challenges of these tough cases and realize how important the rehab is to get these horses back to peak performance. And Dr. Wooten, can you tell us a little bit about your interest in helping keep the equine athlete sound after injury? Sure. It was uh, about a year ago that I was asked to join the staff here at the Jekyll Center and be the director for the uh, rehabilitative services. And uh, for my entire practice has been focused around the, the, the sport horse and, and returning those back to, uh, to a, a level of exercise and, and a usefulness for the owner. Uh, since coming to the Jekyll Center, it's been a, uh, quite an opportunity to utilize the uh, modalities that they have here and the, take the opportunity to, uh, to uh, work with these injured horses and, and see, see just what kind of response we can get to uh, therapy that I've uh, been quite impressed with, with what, what we're able to do with, some, with a lot the new modalities that are available to us. And Dr. Wooden, do I remember correctly that you rode cutting horses or cow horses? That's right. That's okay. right. I, I, I show uh, NCHA cutting horses. Okay. And Dr. Lejeune, you mentioned you're a horse owner as well. What kind of riding do you do? I do uh, show jumping and dressage. I'm from Europe, so they're, you know show jumpers have to be uh, jump, you know, doing dressage flat work as well. So here I am doing showing and show jumping and dressage. Actually, my love is uh, eventing, but um, I just don't have enough time to keep a horse fit for that. So the compromise is uh, jumping and dressage. 
Okay, everyone who's listening, we are ready to get to your questions. Uh, if you have joined us before for an Ask the Horse Live and things look a little bit different tonight, it's because we've changed how we're broadcasting. If you have any questions about how this event is working or if you're having any issues, our producer Jennifer is online and ready to help you out. You can send questions to her via your console. You can also, as always, send, submit your questions live for our doctors to answer. For now, we're going to start the hour off by going through some questions uh, that have been pre-submitted during registration. But one last thing, uh, our editors collected our top picks for rehab-related resources on thehorse.com. If you want to take a look at those, you can open up another browser window and you can go to thehorse.com slash 35724 and that will take you to that top 10 resources on equine rehab. Okay, let's go ahead and get started. Dr. Lejeune, the first question is for you, and it's from Rebecca in Nebraska. And Rebecca wants to know, how do I keep a high-energy horse from re-injuring or worsening his existing injury while healing? And Dr. Lejeune, I've had these horses. It's like having a Tasmanian devil on the end of the lead rope after they've been in the stall for a while. What can we do to help those horses? Oh, absolutely. It's a huge challenge. And, uh, you know, when we give these recommendations of controlled exercise, you know, stall rest and hand walking for five minutes, it's it's just a, sometimes a, a recipe for a disaster. So a couple of things. Uh, of course, there's always pharmacological means to do that, which can be discussed with your local veterinarian. Um, you know, of course, azapromazine and long-acting sedatives like flufenazine and reserpine and some Chinese herbs can also help out. But I think some of these horses, if you decrease their energy um, it, it levels in, turn, uh, in, in terms of nutrition, so um, decrease any grain or anything like that, just keep them on you know, uh, low energy feeds, and then keep them entertained, put some t toys in their stalls, um, maybe move them into an outdoor uh, pipe pen during the day where they can you know, see things happening, and just kind of keep them entertained, move them around. Um, seems to help if they can go on walkers if they're at that stage. Um, you know, of course, you can do that. But um, yeah, there's lots of things. But I think uh, really, you know, decreasing feed, um, keeping them entertained, moving them around, and then yeah, if you really need to um, go to the pharmacological means, is, is the way to go. The other option, of course, is if they're ready for that, is to to ride them. You know, ride walk them rather than hand walk them, which some of these guys tend to respect um, humans better when they're on their back than next to them. So all of those uh, are options. Dr. Lejeune, I know at my barn, often horses that are coming back from injury, their owners, if they're amateur owners, will bring the horse in for, for the trainers or one of the assistant trainers to school. Do you recommend maybe bringing a professional in if, if an owner isn't quite comfortable schooling the horse under saddle as, they, as they're getting back to fitness? Oh, absolutely. I think some of these horses are too much for, you know, too much of a handful for, you know, certain amateurs, not, not all of them, of course, but in some instances, for safety reasons, I would absolutely recommend it, and especially when they're able to start riding work and for some of these injuries where we really need them to work correctly um, on, the, you know, using their back and that type of thing. Um, I would definitely recommend uh, a professional um, in the mix to, to get them working correctly as well as for safety reasons. Okay. 
Our next question is for Dr. Wooten. Dr. Wooten, Margaret is in Sarasota, Florida, and she wants to know, how do you heal a bowed tendon? How do you know when it's safe to start the horse back under saddle or put them back into work? And in her case, her horse is doing western dressage. What recommendations do you have for her? Well, initially with those, those cases in the acute phase, you want to do everything you can to try and just cool off that, the, 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 uh, the tendon, uh, reduce the amount of inflammation in there as much as possible, uh, administrating, uh, administering non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, uh, ribocoxib, uh, bute, banamine, something like that. Also, uh, a lot of ice therapy here at the uh, Jekyll Center. Uh, these cases right away are going into the cold leg spa uh, as often as twice a day during the first week just to try and cool that, that area down as much as possible. We also uh, think very beneficial is uh, the low-level laser therapy can be quite helpful in these cases. And this usually, like I say, in the initial uh, part of the injury, about the first uh, week to 10 days is uh, when we have to be very careful about this. It's also very important that we're evaluating that injury using the ultrasound to, to follow it along to see how it's responding to what we initially do. Now, once we've got it cooled off, my preference is to use some type of regenerative cell therapy, um, be it uh, simply PRP uh, or PRP in combination with uh, uh, stem cells. Um, I think this can be real beneficial. In, in creating a, a better healing environment for those bowed tendons. Now, there are some other, other uh, modalities that can be used at this point. Uh, therapeutic ultrasound is also very beneficial for those horses. Um, I think in evaluating, it comes into a lot of things, evaluating when the horse can go back to work. And I think the primary thing is for it to be repeatedly evaluated by your veterinarian. Uh, by ultrasound examination to determine how well that the, the lesion is filling in and healing and do we have good uh, fiber alignment and that sort of thing. At that point, uh, when it looks like it's starting to fill in, then we start adding some work into it. Uh, it that varies with individuals depending on the degree of, of damage to the, to the tendon. Uh, but personally, I like to try and get these horses back doing something as soon as possible. Um, another big advantage that we have here at the Jekyll Center is getting these horses into the uh, underwater treadmill um, as quickly as possible, to be quite honest with you, and, and also closely monitoring those, those, those tendons each and every time they come out of there. Are we seeing anything that looks like maybe we're overdoing it a bit, uh, we need to back off our, our, our uh, uh, exercise level uh, or increase it? Um, depending on how the horses respond to that to that degree of, of exercise, in a, in, a, in a home situation uh, where you might not have the advantages of, of some of the modalities that we're using here, it, usually I'm figuring you're going to be doing stall rest, hand walking for at least the first three months. Uh, and then, like I say, I can't stress enough during that time having your veterinarian continue to evaluate that. Uh, injury and see how it's responding. At about three months, I think it's time for to increase some workload, and that's when I will actually want to see them get under saddle, do some light walking, under tack, and then once again, I can't overstress how important it is to evaluate that 
uh, tendon, how it's responding to any level of exercise. And it's a matter of, of kind of uh, uh, developing a plan and, and by which you're evaluating that individual and increasing work according to how he's tolerating. And, and that's where it comes into the eye of the trainer uh, and the veterinarian with the assistance of the veterinarian of uh, what kind of level of work this horse is, is, is able to handle and just bring them back cautiously like that. Okay. And Dr. Lejeune, our next question touches on what Dr. Wooten was just talking about. It's from Cindy in Scottsdale, Arizona. And she wants to know at what point in the rehab process for a tendon or ligament injury do you begin to allow the horse to be ridden at the walk? Um, do you have any more specifics on that, Dr. Lejeune, that you would offer? No, I 100% I agree with what Dr. Wooten said. I think sequential ultrasounds and monitoring of uh, the, you know, the local environment is super important. I think um, what I would add to that is uh, thermography. Um, you can definitely pick up different patterns and, and um, sometimes even see changes before there are ultrasonographic changes within that tendon or increased inflammation or whatnot with thermography, so I have been following some of these uh, tendons with that. Um, but in terms of a specific uh, time point where uh, the horse could be started under saddle, really it depends on the severity of the lesion. And I would say, yeah, I would agree at you know, two to three months at some point uh, you're starting some ride walking, realizing that you know, the weight of the rider is definitely going to load that tendon more. Um, but realizing also, depending on where it is, if it's a forelimb or a hindlimb lesion, that you know a good rider can, you know, if it's a if it's a forelimb lesion, try to get that horse um, working more from behind and taking some more weight on its hindlimb. So it all kind of depends on the ability of the rider as well. And I would say if the rider is quite skilled, um, then I would get them on there quicker, um, and also. Uh, you know, do some targeted exercises um, specific for that particular injury. And Dr. Lejeune, I, I spent quite a bit of time riding uh, therapeutic riding horses, which were all uh, geriatric type horses, and we occasionally had injuries on those that, that we had to bring them back from. And I felt like I developed a feel for when horses weren't quite right. Uh, I also kind of developed a paranoia, because I was always looking for something to be wrong. What advice do you have for a rider uh, on one of these horses so that they know when they're maybe pushing the horse too much or maybe it's time to push the horse a little bit more? What, what advice do you give your clients? Well, I think, you know, like any rehabilitation, I think it's a day-by-day -day thing. You have to reevaluate all the time. So definitely they should be palpating the limbs and they should also be looking for you know, feedback from the horse. I mean, if, if it's not happy going out um, and it doesn't want to go forward, I mean, depending on whatever, you know, where you are in your, in your rehabilitation, if it's not tolerating increased exercise and um, you're getting, the, you know, a hint that there's some reluctance there on the part of the horse or that you're seeing some heat or inflammation or, um, you know, edema in the, in the region of, of the injury, then you should definitely be backing off and calling your vet right away. But, you know, that's where rehabilitation is really sort of an individually tailored uh, program more so than something that you can just recommend broadly. 
So no cookie cutter or recipe for, for this Not stuff. really, but I, you know, I think we're all paranoid when we ride and we are all, you know, always worrying about, you know, is this horse now showing a behavioral problem because it's just, you know, doesn't feel like doing it and it's being a, you know, a little bit of a pill uh, or is it, does it have a problem? And I think from my experience, um, you know, I don't want to add to the paranoia, but I think horses want to be doing what we're asking the, them to do most of the time. And particularly if they've been okay doing something and then all of a sudden there's a change in behavior, I really do think you have to look for a pain, a reason, uh, you know, that, that is originating from pain somewhere, uh, which is, you know, where your veterinarian would come in. So everyone who's listening live, uh, we have a new feature for Ask the Horse Lives, and those are polls. I'm going to go ahead and launch a poll, and we'll we'll see how this works. It should be popping up in front of you, and, and you can respond to it. Um, our next question is for Dr. Wooten, and this is a question from Aaron in Lakeway, Texas. And this goes back to that recipe of how do we rehabilitate these horses. She wants to know... She's rehabbing a jumper after a high suspensory injury and time off for nerving. She would like a suggestion for a weekly calendar for walk-trot intervals. Uh, is that something that you do, Dr. Wooten, and do you have some advice? Yeah, we do. I'm assuming what she's describing here is a high suspensory injury of the rear limb and where the uh, deep branch of the lateral plantar nerve was transected. That's what I'm assuming that she's describing here. Uh, and those those are kind of tricky in that, okay, are you dealing with the chronic high suspensory where it's pretty much scarred in, it's healed in, it's just very large impinging on the nerve and, and creating lameness to that, or are we dealing with a high suspensory that is there's there's tearing there at the same time and, and it, it's, it's an acute injury also. So I treat those quite differently uh, in a case where a horse does have uh, a concurrent uh, tear uh, or, or an acute injury of that suspensory ligament. Then you know, I have I will do the I will do the the neurectomies, but I'm very cautious about those horses need to have a lot of time off for that for that suspensory to heal. You don't need to be going back to any kind of work at all for a long period of time with with those particular cases. In, in, the, in the more chronic case uh, where the, there's not a concurrent or a, a, an acute episode or an injury that's going on, then I will typically get those horses back to work at two months after surgery and once again gradually return them to uh, an increased workload as, as, as individuals tolerate it. So it's kind of hard to say I'm not exactly what her situation is or where her horse fits in this uh, question, but uh, like I say, they have to be tr each each individual has to be treated differently depending on what what our problem is. Is it, are we dealing with an acute situation, or are we dealing with something that's very chronic? Which right. a lot of these horses with high suspensories behind, I mean, it gets to be a chronic problem where uh, everything's pretty much healed in there, but they they just cannot stay sound simply because of the uh, nerve impingement, and in those cases, then they, they get back to work much quicker than what's the situation where it's very acute. Uh, our next question is from our live audience, and I'm going to give it to you, Dr. Lejeune. This is from Isabel, who's listening live, and Isabel would like to know the 
your opinion on sports massage or therapeutic massage as part of rehab care. Do you think it's beneficial, beneficial or useful in any way for these horses? Oh, absolutely. Um, it, it Just like, you know, in human athletes, I mean, it, it takes a village to keep some of these people going, um, and massage therapy is part of that. So massage therapy really is triggering, you know, the large muscle groups um, along, you know, the axial skeleton. And in my opinion, it's, it's uh, very beneficial for the functionality of the, you know, neck and back and, and, um, and, and the hindquarters. And um, not only is it beneficial in terms of, uh, promoting, you know, uh, decreasing some of the spasms in those muscles um, and some of the trigger points, um, but it, it also is quite relaxing for these animals, um, and uh, so they have, you know, upregulations of endorphins and serotonin and that type of thing, and um, so, uh, you know, it definitely will resolve some of these compensatory, you know, uh, muscle tensions that horses will uh, develop when they're compensating for a specific problem. So I, I definitely think it's, it's beneficial. Is it a must? Um, you know, maybe not, but I, I def definitely think performed by the right person, it, it can be beneficial and also helpful for the veterinarian to hear, oh, you know, this horse had a lot of tension in, um, let's say, the longissimus, which is the large muscle on the back, on the left side or something like that, and that can be useful for the treating veterinarian to to, um, in terms of you know trying to address that as well and trying to get rid of the, some of these compensatory uh, ch uh, lameness issues that that they'll be dealing with. Okay. Our next question is also from our live audience, and I'm going to give this one to Dr. Wooten and Dr. Lejeune. Feel free to jump in as well. Um, this is an audience member who wants to know if during the rehab process, if a horse does show slight soreness at some point, how much should the work be back down? Say, if trotting 10 minutes a day and my horse starts to seem a little ouchy, should I go back to just walking for a few days before going back to the trot sets? Uh, what are your thoughts, Dr. Wooten? Well, in that situation, I would do more than just back off. I would, I would be getting your veterinarian involved at that point to see, okay, what 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 does the initial injury look like? What are what are we looking at? Has is there uh, is it just something slight that uh, we probably can just back off for a brief period of time, or is this something that we're going to we really uh, develop more of a problem uh, than than just something simple and a little time off would would, uh, would take care of it? Uh, so uh, you know it's kind of hard to say that okay each in in any one situation I think. Dr. June and I both keep stressing each one of these guys are individuals and have to be looked at on an individual basis and, and so therefore one of the things that I would really stress would be uh, getting your veterinarian involved to reevaluate that kind of situation to see which way you should go. Okay. And that question was from Susan our, in our live audience, so thank you, Susan, for sending in that question. And everyone who's listening, feel free to send your questions in. Uh, our next question is for Dr. Lejeune. It's actually two questions uh, from Martha in McLean, Illinois, and we have Linda in St. Peter, Minnesota. So Martha wants to know what therapy or treatment is most effective for rehabbing a lesion in the deep digital flexor tendon. And Linda wants to know if these lesions can heal completely. Can you start by explaining to us what the function is of the deep digital flexor tendon? 
So the deep digital flexor tendon is the tendon that runs down um, the cannon bone and then actually goes down into the pastern and attaches down within um, the hoof. And so it glides over the uh, navicular bone there that's deep within the hoof and then inserts on the coffin bone, which is the pedal bone, which is that bone within the hoof wall. So essentially, the superficial digital flexor tendon, which is the one that you can feel right on the outside um, when you're running your hand down the back of the cannon bone, that's the superficial digital flexor tendon. The deep is the one that's deep to that. So the superficial digital flexor tendon, in essence, supports the fetlock with the suspensory ligament, and the deep flexor tendon essentially is, is supporting the deeper structures within the foot and also preventing sort of this hyperextension of, of the foot when it hits the ground. So that's what it does. So it actually, you know, when you're talking about a lesion of the deep flexor tendon, I mean, it could be all the way, you know, from somewhere within, uh, you know, the, the uh, cannon bone area all the way down into the foot. Now, most commonly, these lesions that we find are within the pastern or within the foot. And so to answer the first question, I don't have an answer for that question. There's, um, if, if we knew that, we would be golden um, in terms of the most effective uh, treatment or therapy. Now, there's a lot of, of effective therapies out there, but in terms of the most effective one, um, you know, we don't really know that yet. We, um, you know, we're also proponents of regenerative medicine here at UC Davis, and so that, you know, obviously involves stem cell therapy. And for the deep digital flexor tendon lesions that are accessible, meaning the ones that are outside of the hoof capsule, of course, those can be injected under ultrasound guidance. The ones that are within the foot can be a little bit trickier, but we've been um, developing a technique of intraarterial uh, perfusion of these cells and, and have been mapping them and seeing that they will actually go to the area of the lesion. And that seems to be uh, quite beneficial in these terms. But again, um, like I think both Dr. Wooten and I agree, I mean, every lesion is different. And it depends on whether it's an acute lesion, it's a chronic lesion, are there other problems associated with it? Um, and so it really all depends on all that um, in terms of the prognosis. In terms of the healing of those lesions, yes, they can heal, but they will always be visible on, on ultrasound um, and even on MRI. So even though the lesion will, um, will be you know, clinically uh, silent, it will still be visible. And that is a challenge when we're looking at some of these horses and evaluating them, um, you know, horses that may or may not be lame, um, it's always difficult to see say, okay, is this actually the clinically relevant problem or not? So they can definitely be a, a, a challenge. And in terms of prognosis, they're also a challenging uh, problem. And it also depends on what you know the job description is of the horse. Obviously, the higher the load and the higher the stress is going through these limbs, the more difficult it can be to get them back um, to a high level of performance. And that's why I think most of us are, are trying to throw the kitchen sink at them. Um, meaning, you know, a lot of stem cell therapy, a lot of laser therapy, um, you know, and then all the controlled exercise and potentially aqua treadmills, good shoeing, all of that type of thing. Our next question is from our live audience, Dr. Wooten. This is for you. Anne wants to know if you can comment on vibration therapy and pulsed EMF therapy modalities. Do you have any thoughts on those? 
Yeah, that's something that we do utilize here at the Jekyll Center. Uh, the, uh, the the vibe plate here. Uh, each one of our horses go on it. Uh, every everybody here in the barn goes on it uh, daily. Um, you know, some of the some of the research is uh, showing that uh, there is an improvement in bone density. Uh, that that's one of the big things that we're utilizing for, particularly in our rehab cases, is is getting them on there because a lot of them are standing in the stalls and that sort of thing, and they're not getting a whole lot of, you know, other than the the, the walking and that sort of thing. But anything we can do to try and uh, maintain bone density, uh, I think, is uh, a, a big goal of ours. Um, the, uh, uh, the the other one was what's electro. The magnet wave, electromagnet wave uh, therapy, mm -hmm. that has been a that has been a real plus for us also. Uh, uh, I, I do chiropractic, and I, I've been really pleased with the results that we've gotten with the uh, horses that have had magnet wave therapy before and after. Sometimes I get some horses that are uh, so muscle sore and so much muscle spasm that it's kind of difficult. They're, they're very uncomfortable for me to really get in and adjust like I'd like to, and so the, the uh, the therapist here uh, treating those horses with the magnet prior to adjustment has been uh, uh, helpful to me. And then also after adjustments, I think uh, the therapists find that a lot of times they're after uh, the, the horses are adjusted, it's a lot easier to get the spasms down in those muscles uh, and and give the horse some some relief to that. So yeah, both of those therapies are, are have been very beneficial uh, for us here at the Jekyll Center. Um, I think there's still some of the the jury's out on 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 the uh, vibe plate. I, I I really like it a lot for uh, just horses that do have some mild soreness and that sort of thing. We, I, I've seen a lot of horses that had uh, feet that that were a little stingy uh, and they were bothering them some. That that seemed, that seemed to be very beneficial for those horses. It is important that those that that's done on a very regular basis. I mean, one trip on the on the vibe plate really isn't going to be that beneficial for them, but. Uh, Long-term use uh, and regular use, I think, can be real, real beneficial for them. Okay. And it's time for another poll. I'm going to go ahead and launch this one. We want to know from our audience why you decided to sign up for this event. So I'm going to go ahead and launch that, and please feel free to answer that question. Okay, our next question is for Dr. Wooten, and it's from Jenny in Miles City, Montana. And Jenny wants to know how effective supplements are, uh, such as Cosequin or Pentosan, for prolonging the usable life of a competition horse or helping with rehab. Uh, that's a very good question. Um, I, I'm, it's, uh, I hate to pick on any one particular supplement, but uh, I, I'm just kind of a, a believer that a lot of supplements are uh, more to be sold than actually that beneficial for the horse. The, the two particular ones that she points out, I think, have been sh actually shown to, to de definitely have some beneficial effects. Uh, and I think it's really important for uh, kind of a, a buyer beware when it comes to those kind of things. I think there's a lot of things out there on the market that, like I say, are pretty much put together for, for someone to sell and, and make a profit off of than how much benefit they're really doing for the horse. I will say that, that um, uh, the two products that she, she did mention have shown some, some you know, they, they've been uh, researched to some degree and, and have shown some real uh, promise. And so therefore, 
uh, I think there, there's definitely some benefit to using those. I could sit here and, for me to sit here and tell you, oh yeah, you do that and you won't have any problems, I don't think that would be very uh, realistic on my part. But uh, you know, when it comes to a performance horse, something doing is something as strenuous as racing. I guess any advantage that we can possibly give them, as uh, Dr. Jude said, takes a village when it comes to treating these horses, and, and anything we can do very well might be beneficial to them. Okay. And Dr. Lejeune, do you have anything to add about supplements in, in the rehab process? No, I agree with Dr. Wooten. I think there's a lot out there, and I think you have to do your homework a little bit on as to you know what what's really in it. And I think Cosequin ASU and, and Adequan specifically and Legend, um, you know, obviously Adequan being an injectable, uh, Cosequin ASU being a you know strict feed supplement. I think they have been shown to be beneficial. Realizing though that the Cosequin ASU the actual form that was studied is not the actual form that's marketed, so um, it's still out there as to whether or not it works. But I will say from my experience with it, um, since I am a horse owner, I usually try everything out on my horses first. Um, I, I have found both of those to be very beneficial um, in terms of, um, you know, some of these little uh, you know, subclinical stiffnesses and stuff like that I think are, are um, are helped with especially, you know, uh, Cosequin ASU and then Adequan, I think, doing the actual course that they recommend, the seven uh, treatments, consecutive treatments uh, at four-day intervals, I think is, is very beneficial when you're uh, starting to deal with some a horse that's getting a little bit sore and developing a little bit of um, synovitis here and there and, um, you know, overexerting himself maybe. Um, but again, I would I would do that under the guidance of your veterinarian. Um, but I do think that is beneficial. And I'd agree that therapeutically, uh, you know, no doubt that they're very beneficial. I guess my my question when it starts talking about prevention, I mean, are we really going to prevent an injury, uh, Dr. June? I'd, I'd love to hear you address that. You, when 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 I saw that question and you start talking about prevention, I I don't know that I. I could feel like I'd say, yeah, that it's going to necessarily prevent anything, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I I don't think it's going to prevent uh, necessarily, uh, you know, uh, but I think it may delay the onset of of a problem, especially a degenerative problem. And as we know, you know, arthritis is a progressive degenerative condition, as are a lot of these tendon injuries we deal with. I mean, it's not what we think. It's not an acute you know, step, misstep. It's just sort of right. an accumulation of problems. And so I've, I, I'd like to think that, you know, if you're making that horse feel good and giving them, um, you know, glycosaminoglycans, um, you know, which is Adequan, and, and, and they have shown that, you know, there is chondroprotective, meaning cartilage uh, protective. Um, it is a cartilage protective substance, meaning it will delay the onset of um, arthritic conditions. So, I'm not sure we can actually prevent it necessarily, but maybe we can delay it. Um, and that's, sure. you know, how I like to think about it. I mean, again, I have no stock in Adequan, but, um, you know, I guess as a as somebody who, who rides themselves, I, I, I'd like to think that I'm doing the right thing for my horse by giving him Adequan, you know. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So, I, I do. I, I use a lot of the, the Adequan, uh, Adequan products also, and so uh, I, I do – do have some problems with some of the, some of the feed throughs that are out there. I, I just really have my questions about those. Yeah, absolutely. 
So I've gone ahead and shared uh, the results of the poll uh, that everyone just took. And 39%, and the majority of everyone that's listening in live is currently rehabbing a horse. So I want to, uh, to all of you who are rehabbing horses, I've been there. And uh, good luck. <laughs> good luck to, to you. It's, it's worth it when you can get them turned around. Um, our next question is for Dr. Lejeune, and it's from Joni in Salt Lake City, Utah. And Joni wants to know what she should include in her reconditioning program after her horse has suffered a neck strain caused by pulling back in the cross ties. So uh, firstly, I, um, I just want to emphasize how important it is to get uh, you know, your veterinarian involved with that type of an injury because, you know, there's neck strain and neck strain. Uh, you know, it could be that the horse is just a little stiff in the neck and it's no big deal, or it could be that, you know, the horse has sustained an actual vertebral fracture and has something real severe going on. So assuming that has been ruled out by your veterinarian and that you are just dealing with, um, you know, a muscle, um, you know, spasm or something like that, um, in terms of therapeutics, you know, acupuncture uh, can, can, and, and laser therapy can really help with that. But in terms of what you can do as a horse owner um, is, you know, definitely some of these range of motion exercises, which are basically carrot stretches. And, um, you know, so basically getting, encouraging the horse to stretch, you know, forward and then also downward and then to the side. And obviously if you're dealing with a horse that has an injury, um, again, um, I will emphasize, let's make sure it doesn't have something real severe um, in terms of an actual uh, lesion, you know, in terms of uh, actual pathology within the bone or the muscle, but assuming it is just, um, you know, a strain, a, a mild strain, then you do want to try to get those areas mobilized and get the horse to its, you know, endpoint range of motion where it's comfortable and then kind of holding it there and, um, you know, not forcing it, but encouraging it to kind of stretch that area a little bit. But again, that's something that I think you need to do under the guidance of your veterinarian because you don't want to be forcing that. And, you know, the neck is a very, very sensitive area, as you know, and um, there's a lot of nerves there, and um, trauma to that region can definitely cause a lot of problems to the horse. So I think um, it's very, very important to, to do that, um, you know, under the guidance of, of your veterinarian. Uh, you mentioned acupuncture, Dr. Lejeune. We have a live question that just came in from Charlie, who's listening. And Charlie wants to know if acupuncture is a valid aid in rehabbing horses, particularly senior horses. What, what are your thoughts of incorporating acupuncture into a rehab program? Oh, I think it's great. I mean, um, I, I practice acupuncture, and I think it's, you know, it's not going to fix everything, but it is uh, very useful in terms of uh, pain management and uh, reduction of muscle spasms, um, and it can also increase um, sort of, um, I know this is going to sound weird, but vitality. So I have a lot of my geriatric patients that, you know, sort of have a decreased appetite, and uh, maybe that is because of chronic pain. Um, and, and um, you know, with, with regular acupuncture theory, therapy, you can, um, you know, give them a little boost in terms of, you know, I think they feel better because they're less painful. And, um, and so they, they have better appetites. They have an easier time getting up and down. And, um, you know, it is quite effective for back pain and neck pain, which I think is quite prevalent in some of these older horses. Okay. 
Our next question is for Dr. Wooten, and it's from Stephanie in British Columbia, Canada. And Stephanie wants to know how critical you feel footing is in maintaining a horse's soundness and in rehabbing the horse. Um, are you setting a horse up up to fail if your ring is slightly too hard or too soft? Oh, I think uh, footing is, is extremely important when it comes to rehabbing a horse, uh, particularly with the soft tissue injuries. Uh, I see more problems in horses that are put in too deep of footing uh, with, with soft tissue injuries of, of returning, of, of re-injuring those, those particular problems and, and, and returning them back to a level of fitness. Uh, also, you have to be careful with any kind of a hard surface that might be slick. I think uh, those are the things with with the horses is not the footing isn't good where they're sliding then that that certainly puts a, a high risk for these horses uh, to re-injure particularly soft tissue injuries. So yeah, it, it's very critical. Personally, uh, if if my clients if I can tell them the best place to get be is actually on turf uh, if they have a good grass footing. I I really feel like that is probably the most natural and best footing that they can possibly be on. Um, and so, uh, if, if that is if that's available to them, that's usually where I'm sending them, as opposed to into the arena. Um, but um, you can, that can't be overstressed. Is, is is make sure that the horse is on a good uh, footing that uh, is not going to be too deep, too slick, uh, too hard. Um, Another thing I think is, is is how level is is our arena. How are, are we are we going to be working on a good level footing too? That that that's very important also. I guess uh, um, when I do talk talk about taking the horse out in turf, I'm very careful too to, to stress that okay, let's let's get them on a good nice flat footing also. Uh, so like I say, returning returning to uh, to work uh, when rehabbing an injury. The, the footing can't be overstressed. Okay. It's time for another poll. I'm going to go ahead and launch it. And this time, we want to know how our audience members are involved in the horse industry. So if you could take a moment to answer that. Um, I have then our next question is for Dr. Lejeune while everyone answers. Uh, this is from Sonia in North Dakota. And Sonia wants to know if nerve damage in the pole area of the horse can be repaired. She has a horse who has been in rehab physical therapy for 18 months and doesn't seem to be getting any better. What are your thoughts on that, Dr. Lejeune? Well, that's a very, very frustrating injury, and it must be very severe because typically, even though nerve injuries take a long time to heal, um, usually nerves regenerate by about an inch per month, you would expect that after 18 months there would be some level of improvement. So, you know, I think that's a very, very challenging case, and, um, you know, certainly scarring around uh, nerve injuries can prevent nerve regeneration. And certainly in human medicine, um, you know, there's specialists that deal with those types of injuries and that explore those, those, um, those injuries and try to resolve the scarring and potentially even gra perform nerve grafts. Now, that's not something that we've done, in, uh, to my knowledge, in, in veterinary medicine in, in horses yet, but certainly that's probably the way of the future. Um, in terms of diagnosing at the specific area and trying to figure something out a little bit more, you know, EMG, um, which records the electrical activity in the muscle, 
might be something that, that could be useful in terms of, um, you know, fine-tuning the diagnosis. So, um, you know, it looks like you're in North Dakota. Um, you know, I'm not sure who could perform that there, but you might talk to your veterinarian about, about um, referral to um, a specialist uh, center there. And then in terms of um, more options to treat it uh, locally, um, you know, uh, again, passive range of motion exercises in terms of the carrot stretches are important. Massage can be important because it can help, um, you know, remove some of the scarring. Um, also, laser therapy might be something to consider. And then electroacupuncture has definitely been shown to, um, to help um, axonal sprouting, which is actually the, the, the nerve regeneration. So all of that, um, I don't know if you're doing any of that, but, but certainly um, that could be incorporated into your rehabilitation. But I can't stress enough how, you know, how uh, difficult those injuries can be to treat. And, um, you know, tincture of time certainly can help, but 18 months seems to be a long way out already to, to have seen very little improvement. So um, I would recommend potential referral to a, another, you know, specialty center to help you out there. Well, we certainly wish her luck in getting her horse better. Uh, we have a question that's come in from our live audience, and I'd like to ask each of you what you think. Um, who wants to go first, Dr. Lejeune or Dr. Wooten? Late Jump first. in. <laughs> okay. Oh. <laughs> well, do you think? This question is from, from Deanne, and she's listening live, and she wants to know if you suggest using boots on your horse, such as medicine boots or sports medicine boots, to prevent injury or re-injury. Dr. Lejeune, what are your thoughts on that? Maybe you can get into polo wraps a little bit, too. Absolutely. So boots are, I'm just going to give you a broad category about what I think boots are doing for a horse, because I think a lot of, uh, there's a lot of boots out there that claim that they're actually supporting the soft tissues and preventing fetlock drop um, and all of that thing, and I, I find that hard to believe personally. I think um, uh, I'm, I'm ha I have a little bit of a hard time. I think the concern with boots is that they increase the, the heat of the tendon, which heat in it, or ligament, which heat in itself, uh, that the, the, uh, the tendon or ligament will heat up with exercise anyway, is a cause of injury. So um, really, you know, what we should be looking for is for boots that are, are, are helping to support but also cool um, that area. So ventilation is important. Now boots are definitely effective at pre preventing, you know, the horse from interfering with itself or hitting itself or when they're jumping, you know, it definitely serves in terms of protection. So, you know, bearing all that in mind, um, I um, definitely would use boots if you're dealing with a, a, a young horse that um, is, is um, basically at risk of injuring themselves um, from you know, hitting themselves, and I would also uh, consider polo wraps, um, you know, uh, when it's not too hot or that type of thing to help support, but I'm always worried about the cooling factor, and I'm still looking for the perfect boot that cools the tendon in addition to providing some, some support for the leg and, and, and protection. So now I'm interested in what Dr. Wooten has to <laughs> I <say>. am too. <laughs> I, I could, hey, it's simple. I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, absolutely. I think uh, you know we we 
put those the boots on and we're hoping that boy we were going to give us a lot of support i'm not convinced either that they're providing that much support i do recommend that my clients do use them i mean any amount of support that we could possibly get could be at least maybe of some benefit even though i don't think we're getting quite the support that that the boot manufacturers would have us to believe um, but and and also as Dr. Jean said, the, just the protection of the of the limb from interference and that sort of thing can can be worth uh, worth the price of the boot themselves. We we use them a lot in in, in my discipline with the cutting horses. These guys uh, uh, a lot of stepping on themselves and 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 their, their feet get going in all kinds of directions. And it, I think it's really uh, beneficial to those horses that we have their legs covered up and at least protected, whether it's providing that much support or not, uh, hard to say, but uh, like I say, the, just the benefit of protecting from interference is, 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 worth, is worth their use, in my opinion. Well, I was hoping you guys would have some magic suggestion that I didn't know about for the perfect boot. Because this is something that, that I've struggled with, too, as a dressage rider. Um, whenever you're doing lateral work, the chance of interference goes up. Um, but I sure don't like to take those boots off and, and have a sweaty leg underneath. So uh, we'll keep looking, huh? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, our next question is for Dr. Wooten, and it's from Marianne in Byers, Colorado. And she wants to know what your thoughts are on the healing abilities of DMSO and what is the proper use and application of DMSO. What are, what are your thoughts there, Dr. Wooten? Well, uh, I think DMSO can be very beneficial. Uh, I guess I'm, I'm probably not using it quite as much as, as I once was. Uh, I think there's other, other other therapies that we can use, uh, but it, it does have its place uh, for particular for particular uh, injuries and, 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 and reducing inflammation. So I, I think it can be overused. A lot of people use it to to uh, to the detriment of the horse, in my opinion. It once when they uh, are using it on a on a daily basis and that sort of thing. I think it's actually been shown to actually weaken, weaken the, the, the tendon and ligament structures in the limb uh, when used on a chronic kind of uh, basis. But, you know, uh, targeted use I think it still can be very beneficial. And there are certain uh, instances when we use it quite a bit intravenously for, for particular problems, uh, neurological problems um, primarily. Um, Laminitis is another place that we'll, we'll often uh, utilize it, trying to get anything that we can as far as uh, helping those particular horses. So uh, I think it does have its place, but I'm not real crazy about uh, being used to uh, uh, on a daily basis and that sort of thing. I think, I think it can actually weaken, particularly when, when a lot of people are starting to mix uh, steroids in with it. And I think, you know, the, the, yeah, got a great... Uh, solvent there that can take those steroids into the structures, and I think that really does predispose those particular individuals to injury more than it does help them. So that's that's my thoughts on it. Okay, thank you, Dr. Wooten. Our next question is for Dr. Lejeune, and it came in from Emma, who's in London. Uh, in the UK, and she wants to know when rehabbing a horse that has suffered a dorsal sacroiliac ligament injury, would you recommend keeping the horse in a box or a stall or in the field? 
Um, that's a good question. I mean, ideally, uh, you know, we're always talking about controlled exercise is the best, and particularly for some of those back injuries, you know, movement, uh, constant movement, slow, you know, uh, low-impact movement with their head down like a grazing animal would have, you know, conceptually in the UK you have grass, um, not like here in California where we are in a drought. Um, but anyway, so, you know, in an ideal world, if the horse can be quiet, um, I think that would be perfect. But, you know, you're always running the risk that the horse will, you know, shy from some uh, a, a dinosaur behind the, uh, the hedge over there and run away. And, of course, that's not ideal when you're trying to deal with a controlled exercise program. So, you know, what I would say is if you could have it in a small, you know, small grassy area where, you know, it could walk around and, and, and meander around grazing uh, all day, that would be great, but not have enough room to, uh, to blast around, I think that, that would be ideal. Um, and uh, if you could do that, yeah, that would be great. And I've gone ahead and shared the poll results with everyone. And we have 81% of everyone who's listening is a horse owner who rides their horses. Uh, so that, that's an interesting number, probably not uh, too surprising considering we're talking about rehabbing the athletic horse. Um, our next question is for Dr. Wooten, and it is from Elaine in Nampa, Idaho. And she wants to know if how much she should increase her horse's exercise weekly after injury and stall rests. Well, that once again goes back to uh, specifically what kind of uh, injury we're talking about. Uh, some cases where it's it's very minor, you might be going back uh, quite quickly. Uh, I see a lot of horses. Uh, I'm having back in 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 some degree of work within two weeks after after an injury, uh, where there's a, a slight pull or something like that. Like a horse might have tweaked the suspensory a bit, and no real lesions or anything like that, and within two weeks the horse is, is perfectly sound there's nothing to be seen on ultrasound there's there's no sensitivity to palpation or anything like that I'm, I'm going to get those guys back fairly quickly and, and, and watch them as they're going uh, if it's something more serious than that where there is some actual structural damage then uh, it's going to be a, a much more protracted type of situation um, once again uh, getting your veterinarian involved in evaluating that individual uh, like I say, it just just really depends on on the injury, the the what type of what structure is in, is, is actually injured, uh, where the injury is located, and uh, the uh, degree of the injury. So I'm not sure I answered the question very well, but uh, unfortunately, uh, with with this, it just like I say, it just it depends so much on on each individual and what kind of injury we're talking about. Okay. Well, thank you, Dr. Wooten. Our next question is for Dr. Lejeune. Uh, this is from Marcy, who's in Arizona. And Marcy wants to know if you have any exercises that you would suggest for a horse that is suffering from mild locking stifles. So if you could maybe explain quickly what a locking stifle is and then have some suggestions for Marcy, uh, Dr. Lejeune. Yes. Um, so locking stifles is actually normal for a horse to be able to lock their stifles. That's how they can sleep standing up without, you know, using any kind of muscular energy. They basically lock their kneecap over their femur, um, and they can do that, you know, when they're standing still, and that's normal for them. 
But obviously when they're moving, they need to be able to unlock that stifle. And um, in some horses, especially you know warm bloods that are unfit or horses with a very straight hind leg conformation, they tend to be predisposed to a little bit of that what we call catching of the stifles or mild locking stifles. Um, when I'm dealing with that type of problem, and I see it a lot because I deal with a lot of warm bloods, um, uh, you know, I'm always looking for a reason. Um, obviously, confirmation is one, you know, lack of fitness. Maybe they do have, um, you know, some stifle soreness. But oftentimes, there's something else going on that's causing that horse to not use itself, not use, engage its hind end properly, and therefore alter the actual angulation of the joint and predispose it to catching of the stifles. So I would definitely recommend, if that's something that you're dealing with, um, to have your veterinarian um, check your horse for other problems that could be causing this particular issue. Now, bearing in mind, we do see it commonly, and it is sort of a lack of fitness thing that we see in, in, in unfit, you know, warm blood. And in terms of exercises, um, what you can do, um, you know, starting out with walking um, over poles, um, graduating to actual Cavaletti work or even raised Cavalettis is a good idea. Again, you know, you have to introduce everything slowly because these horses tend to be a little bit sore and so, you know, you don't want to, uh, you want to encourage proper use of their hind leg and not, you know, com compensatory type of movement. Um, but those exercises are important. Cavaletti work, uh, transitions, um, you know, really trying to get the horse working from behind and that's where help from a trainer or a professional kind of rider would be useful to make sure that that horse is, is engaging properly. Hill work is good, but I caution you, uphill is, is good for those horses. They can do that all day long, but it's coming down the hill that oftentimes they will catch their stifle significantly. And so start the, the hill work gradually and, and try to go up and then, you know, slalom down versus just going straight down because sometimes that can be very difficult for them. Um, in addition, uh, use of, uh, of certain uh, training aids that can help um, encourage hind end uh, engagement like the PASOA training aid or the Equiband, all of those things can be useful. Um, and then, of course, um, judicious use of, you know, non-steroidals to try. This is an example of a type of problem where you do need to gauge, um, you know, the level of soreness. I mean, some of these horses will get a little bit sore before they get better just because it does involve conditioning and strengthening of the, of the quadriceps um, muscle. So I hope I've answered that in a long-winded way. <laughs> but I think. Okay. Um, we have a question from our live audience, and I'm going to give it to Dr. Wooten. And it's from Isabel. And Isabel wants to know um, what your experience is using hydrotherapy and if it can negatively affect a horse in any way depending on the injury. Or when do you recommend hydrotherapy for horses? Well, um, hydrotherapy by that, I, I'm assuming she means just running the garden hose over over an injury in particular. Um, I'm a big proponent in using hydrotherapy. Uh, we, like uh, with us, talking about earlier, uh, we have the uh, cold leg spa here, which I think has been uh, extremely important and, and very beneficial in treating uh, horses' uh, lower limb injuries, particularly, you know, that the, the cold water is only going to go to that level. Uh, so uh, that, that is very beneficial, uh, especially in the, in the acute phase of an injury. Uh, as far as 
I'm not sure she's referring also to um, maybe the underwater treadmill um, kind of hydrotherapy or, or work such as that uh, for, for rehabbing the horses and bringing them back to a, a level of fitness uh, post-injury and in the, the rehabilitative phase of, uh, of healing. Um, that, that is extremely uh, useful uh, in our hands and uh, getting these horses back to work as quickly as possible without putting the kind of concussion on them that, that just uh, uh, under saddle or uh, hand walking would, would, would even do. They're, they're able to, to uh, use, uh, utilize muscles and, and, and work, their, work the rest of their body uh, much more without putting the kind of stress on, on that limb. I'm not sure I answered the question as she was asking it, but uh, uh, hopefully that's some help to her. And we are just about out of time, but I won't do want to get to one more question here that I have on my list. Um, Dr. Wooten, this one's for you. It's from Elena in Virginia, and she wants to know if you have any suggestions for rehabbing a horse that has had EPM, especially with regard to muscle atrophy that is common with this disease. Do you, do you manage many horses with EPM, Dr. Wooten? Yeah, unfortunately here in the southeast with our possum population, we see we see quite a few cases of EPM and, and varying degrees of it too. Uh, uh, that's the thing about EPM. It seems to uh, show itself in practically any, any manifestation you can possibly think of from the horse that is just mildly affected and very difficult to uh, really see any kind of deficits to those horses that are totally down and can't get up. And so each individual is uh, uh, once again we get back to an individual basis kind of situation where each horse has to be taken as an individual. Um, once the horse is, is uh, put on the on therapy, uh, the treatment, whatever medication that that uh, your veter the veterinarian prescribes, uh, I think it's important that these horses continue to stay at some level of work to try and prevent uh, loss of of uh, muscle strength and trying to regain it. From you know, a lot of these horses will lose a, a lot of muscle due, uh, development due to the uh, uh, injury to the peripheral nerve that supplies that particular muscle, and so therefore, uh, doing anything that we can to try and, and try and keep uh, those uh, muscles strengthened. Um, uh, the the sun that we have been using a lot for these horses to just try and stimulate them is is, is the MagnaWay uh, has seemed to. To help those horses uh, maintain some uh, muscle development, so that's something that we we've been utilizing a lot in those particular individuals. Um, I'm a big believer also in, in in the underwater treadmill. It's been very useful in, in rehabbing those horses and trying to uh, uh, maintain muscle development and or prevent any more muscle atrophy than than what would uh, would possibly have. I think, uh, uh, and that's something that I, we see a lot. I think. Uh, um, as Dr. Lejeune was discussing, all the different causes of, of uh, locking patellas, I, I feel like I see a lot of those horses that that's the way they start off. Uh, we start noticing that uh, kind of out of the blue. This horse is starting to, to catch, his, catch his stifles, and, and uh, a lot of those horses will, will have uh, uh, EPM, and, and that's probably the, the, maybe their only presenting symptom initially. So as uh, she said, uh, always look for an underlying cause for that for that particular problem, and uh, our experience with a lot of those EPM horses has been that. So, 
um, it, it, it trying to rehab those those particular individuals and getting them back to work as as soon as possible is, is very it's very important. It's uh, uh, I, I never uh, as long as the horse is safe for some degree of work. You know, you always have to worry about these horses. Some of them are, are so severely affected that they aren't safe to the handler or to themselves, and you have to be very careful with those individuals during the rehabilitative phase. But in those cases where they're, they're just mildly affected, then by all means we continue. I, I really stress that they continue to work through that uh, the treatment period and trying to prevent more loss than what we already uh, have developed. Okay. Well, thank you, Dr. Wooten. We are unfortunately out of time uh, tonight. I want to, before we uh, close up, I want to let everyone know that in the the June print issue of the Horse Magazine, they'll we're running an article on rehabbing sport horses. So if you get that uh, the print subscription, be looking for it. If you don't, you can subscribe to uh, the Horse Magazine at thehorse.com. I want to thank everyone tonight for joining us and listening in and for sending in your great questions. A uh, big thank you to Dr. Uh, Lejeune and Dr. Wooten for answering our questions tonight. I thought it was a great conversation uh, about getting horses back to work. And I also want to thank our sponsor, the Jekyll Center. Um, and finally, if you're looking for more information about rehabbing your horse, go ahead and do a search on thehorse.com. We have lots of great resources on, on there, as well as, as the article that I mentioned at the top of the show. Um, and so, until next time, I am Michelle Anderson with thehorse.com. Now, get out and get your horses healthy and, and get to riding.